Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Last week, we began Advent with an introduction to the Gospel of Luke and the two themes that will guide our journey through this text for the coming year. The theme of pilgrimage and the theme of the contrast, even the conflict between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. We also introduced Advent as a season of longing, the season in which we recognize our own pilgrimage journey and see the stark contrast between the kingdoms of this world and the promised glory of the coming kingdom of God. And this particular Advent, this year our theme will be exploring Advent as a season of longing for love. And last week, I invited you to the practice of lament, to observe and to become aware of the not yet in our circumstances, aware of the darkness, fear, and division, the hopelessness and despair, the oppression, injustice, retribution, exclusion, and divisiveness that characterize the kingdoms of this world to become aware, to notice, to name these before God and call upon him to fix what only he can fix. And this is the awareness that Luke calls us to as he begins the narrative of the ministry of John the baptizer. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, a brutal and paranoid ruler who expelled the Jews from Rome and executed all suspected traitors. And he suspected many. He suspected many, so much so that Tacitus, the historian, writes of unnumbered dead of every age, sex, and station, left unburied and unmourned out of fear of Tiberius. The historian Suetonius adds that Tiberius acquired a reputation for still grosser depravity than can bear to be told or imagined. In our contemporary imagery, 
We might picture some combination of Joseph Stalin and Jeffrey Epstein ruling the civilized world. We add to that the regional rulers, Pilate, Herod, Philip, and Licinius. Herod, who would execute John the baptizer, and Pilate, who would execute Jesus. And then the religious leaders, Annas and Caiaphas, who in turn would turn Jesus over to Pilate. Into this darkness of the kingdoms of the world, Luke tells us, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Luke has prepared us to meet John, the prophet of the Most High, the one who, filled with the Holy Spirit, will turn many of the people of Israel to, their, to the Lord their God, the one who will go before the Lord and make ready a people prepared for their Lord. And this word comes not to those in palaces or temples, but to one in the wilderness, in the place in between, the place outside the kingdoms of this world, the place of encounter. It's in the wilderness where Moses and Elijah encounter the Lord. It's in the wilderness that Jesus is tempted by Satan. It's in the wilderness that Israel experiences cleansing from captivity and exile. The Lord God leads Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, where then they walk so that Egypt can be led out of Israel. It's the wilderness through which Israel travels from Babylon to Jerusalem as they are redeemed from exile. And the wilderness in the time of John the baptizer becomes a place of pilgrimage as the crowds come out of the cities and the towns and all the surrounding countryside to hear as John proclaims the word of the Lord. They come to hear him preach about a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I want to take a moment here to expand this word, repentance. Our contemporary use has made this a behavioral term. Stop doing whatever bad thing we choose to focus on and start doing good. But metanoia, repentance, is a much deeper, much richer word than simple behavioral modification. Literally, metanoia, a change in the way of knowing. Meta, a change, knowing, 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 noose, noia, knowing. And not just a knowing of the mind, but a not knowing of everything. For we've condensed knowing into this literal, rational kind of knowing, an intellectual understanding we achieve by reason. But this again, is too small a way to think about repentance. It is not simply a change in the way that we reason. It's a change in the way that we know. It's a change in the way that we imagine the world to be, and a change in the way that we imagine how the world should be. Metanoia, repentance, calls us to change the very way we know things. For those coming to the Jordan, metanoia was a challenge to their daily reality. 
John's voice in the wilderness asked, Who is in charge? Is it Rome or is it God? Who can bring peace? Is it Caesar or is it the coming Christ? Is God confined to a temple made by human hands? Or can God be found and experienced in the wilderness as well? Is God the protector of the rich and powerful, the blessed? Or is God the redeemer of the poor and the oppressed? Do you envision the world according to the kingdoms of men or according to the kingdom of God? John calls out, come to the river, come and be washed of the idolatry of the world that makes itself God, and re-envision the world according to the one who is God. Come, be prepared for the kingdom. John's message of preparation is as relevant to us today as it was to the people in Judea and Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Luke tells us that this is a preparation for a wilderness pilgrimage. Just as Isaiah declared to a people in exile that redemption was coming, John, the voice in the wilderness, declaring redemption to a people not in captivity to Egypt or Babylon, or even in captivity to Rome. John declares redemption to a people in the captivity of sin and death. John calls out, Prepare the way of the Lord, make a highway through the wilderness. The valleys will be filled, the high places are brought low, the crooked made straight, and the rough places smoothed over. Luke has prepared us to see this being made manifest in the upside-down kingdom of God. As Mary sings, and God has shown the strength of his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble and meek. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. And he, remembering his mercy, has helped his servant Israel. And we... Even in this day, prepare ourselves to see the way of the Lord as we lament and notice the not yet around us, as we notice the high places that must be torn down and the valleys to be filled. We prepare ourselves as we allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we may indeed know differently that we would see the world through kingdom eyes. Okay, that's a great Sunday vision. But what does it mean on Monday as we go out into a world dominated by the kingdoms of this world? As we walk this week, aware of our longing for love in this Advent, I invite you to participate with the Holy Spirit in the work of reconciliation. As we walk in the mint, often we notice the not-rightness of the relationships we participate in, the relationships around us, the things that are broken that we can't fix. And that calls us to prepare our hearts for reconciliation. 
In his second letter to the church at Corinth, Paul writes that through Christ, God has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Among the many faithful ways, we can hear the command of the gospel to prepare the way of the Lord. I invite you to hear in this week the way of the Lord as the way of reconciliation. A few comments on reconciliation before we unpack this invitation into a practice. First, reconciliation is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. We do not make reconciliation, but we can prepare ourselves for God to work. The work of reconciliation begins and ends in prayer, my friends. Second, reconciliation is not possible in the midst of violence. If we persist in doing violence to ourselves, to one another, or even doing violence to the name and reputation of God, we resist the invitation to reconciliation. We hear today, that in that great and glorious day when Christ returns, those who persist in violence will experience judgment as violence, as the things that are hidden in darkness are brought to light and the purposes of the heart are revealed. The Lord comes as a refiner's fire and as fuller's soap, purging us of violence and oppression and idolatry. Reconciliation is the work of God through the Holy Spirit. Reconciliation cannot come in the midst of violence. And third, our preparation for reconciliation will seem like foolishness to the kingdoms of the world and perhaps even to ourselves. We heard from Paul today that our new way of knowing our kingdom eyes will lead us to bless when we are cursed, to endure when we are persecuted, to reply as friends when we are slandered. This is not foolishness. This is not weakness, but it is the wisdom and strength of a heart ruled by love. So now let us look at the way of reconciliation. Reconciliation is required when a relationship is damaged, either intentionally or unintentionally. And true reconciliation occurs when both parties recognize the hurt that they have caused to the other, their own part in that hurt, and they release that hurt through forgiveness. And then both parties choose to value relationship over their own hurt. See, reconciliation becomes possible when I recognize the way that I have hurt you, and the way that you have hurt me. Rarely is relational hurt one-sided. I release hold of my hurt through forgiveness, and I seek your forgiveness. And we choose to value relationship over bitterness. Oh, I'm thankful that in his great mercy, God is patient. How often do I hear the invitation from God to pursue reconciliation and yet willfully choose to resist, to hold on to, and even make an idol of my own hurt, to take my identity not as beloved but as victim, 
choose to persecute rather than heal. And yet, God's gentle voice continues to invite me and invite you into the way of love, into the way of reconciliation. Let's look at this in the terms we heard from Isaiah and Luke about preparing the way of the Lord and see how this guides us into preparing ourselves for the practice of reconciliation. We heard the voice of the wilderness, or the voice in the wilderness, calling out, prepare the way of the Lord. Reconciliation is a wilderness activity. We are prepared for reconciliation as we move out of the comforts of our own dwelling, whether that dwelling is the place of our own pride, or that place that insists I have done nothing wrong, or that place of bitterness that holds on to my wounds as weapons. We prepare as we move into the vulnerability of the wilderness where we depend on God. My friends, this is the wilderness of prayer. We heard that the way of the Lord is prepared as every valley is filled up. In the wilderness, we looked to God to heal the hurts that damaged this relationship. We offer our wounds and our insecurities to the healing power of God. And we pray for the one who hurt us, that the deep wounds from which that hurt came may be healed. And we can pray this because we understand that hurt people hurt people. We heard that the way of the Lord is prepared as every mountain and hill are made low. In the wilderness, we offer our pride, our self-righteousness, all the things that tempt us to see ourselves as the better person in this conflict. We offer these before God to be brought low by his love. Our kingdom eyes see ourselves not as better or higher, but as beloved. And our kingdom eyes see the other person not as lower or less than or unworthy, but as beloved of God. We heard that the way of the Lord is prepared as the crooked is made straight. In the wilderness, we offer to God all the purposes of our hearts, the reason that we desire reconciliation. Oftentimes, our desire for reconciliation is selfish. Our, our desire for reconciliation is crooked. In some way, we might desire reconciliation for our own social or financial gain. We might desire reconciliation as a notch in our belts, Look at the ministry that I do. I have been reconciled. We might desire reconciliation as a justification of our own goodness. We might desire reconciliation for crooked ways. And yet, as we come in the wilderness before God, lay our hearts out. We allow the refining fire and the fuller soap to purify our intention to the only intention that makes reconciliation possible. 
the intention of love. Not the simplistic love we hear about from the kingdoms of the world, but that deep kingdom love that we experience as we know how deeply we are loved by God know how deeply that other person is loved by God. And we respond in love because God loves. Finally, we heard that the way of the Lord is prepared when the rough places are made smooth and all flesh sees the salvation of God. Reconciliation is difficult. It's God-sized hard. In the wilderness, we recognize that we are unable in and of ourselves to do this work. We call upon God to do what only he can do, to bring healing and wholeness to ourselves, to the relationships around us, and to the entire world. And then, like the moment, we wait. We wait and we watch with great expectation to see the Lord at work. And so I invite you this week to notice the broken relationships around you, to notice and to pray. Pray for a new way of seeing, pray for kingdom eyes, and enter into the vulnerable wilderness of prayer and ask God to fill the valleys of your hurt, to heal the wounds, to reveal his love for you. Ask God to bring down the high places, the ways that you see yourself as better rather than beloved, and the ways that you see the other person as lesser rather than beloved. Ask God to examine your intentions and to remove every intention apart from the pure intention of love. And finally, ask God to do the work that you cannot do, bringing healing and wholeness to you, to the other person, and to this relationship. And we wait, and we watch. And I pray that as we wait and watch, we may see the Lord at work, we may see healing and reconciliation. I pray that we may see the kingdom breaking in around us. Indeed, may we see and rejoice. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.